0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, our dad. hello big Ed idea listeners welcome back to the big Ed idea podcast. Uh, it is I Ryan Scott welcoming you once again to the podcast. I am so excited to have you joining me today um you are in for a treat. this is going to be episode 2.29 um and I have got a kindred spirit with me this evening um I, I'm gonna be honest I' I was I'm all day I've been giddy as a schoolgirl to get this young lady on the podcast because she shares um, a love of nature like I do. Um, it's, and so without further ado, I'm going to I'm going to welcome you. Just go ahead and say her name. Her name is Becky Snexer, and she is a mama. She's a wife. She's a teacher. She's an advocate. She's an explorer. She's an author. Speaker. Uh, This is really cool. The founder of the Outdoor Education Collective. She is a National Geographic Society grantee. Wow, that's a big deal. The member of Teach Better Team Speakers Network. And she is the current president of the Virginia Association of Science Teachers. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, Miss Becky, welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast.
1: Well, hello. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here.
0: It's uber exciting to have you. Um, we share, you know, you're you're an outdoorsy person, and and already, you know, you're cool in my book. So I can't wait to talk uh, about your idea tonight.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm excited.
0: Okay, okay. So let's let's jump right in. Um, so Becky, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. What does it mean? Um, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, so I'm just kind of going off the cuff. What is a National Geographic Society grantee?
1: Yeah, so uh, anyone who has been awarded a National Geographic grant is a grantee. Uh, okay. And you might hear National Geographic Explorer, and those those are grantees that have a very special type of grant called an ex- exploration grant or an air grant. I don't have one of those yet, but I did have an active National Geographic grant. So that makes me a grantee. And one day, hopefully a National Geographic Explorer as well. Absolutely.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love traveling outside. I love being out in nature and, you know, as a kid, I can remember, um, I always had a subscription to National Geographic, uh, from like six on, um, I think actually until I was like 23, my mom got me National Geographic. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, another thing. So you are the president of the Virginia Association of Science Teachers. So like that sounds like a really prestigious honor. So like what is that uh what's that entail?
1: Uh a lot of work. Um it's oh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, a lot of a lot of work. It is it's a lot, but it's absolutely amazing. So what I get to do is advocate for science education in my oh, state. Thank you. And one of the Yes. Well, you're welcome. It's it's a pleasure to do it. It's a lot to do, but it's very important. It's meaningful, and it, it is passion of mine. So, one of the things I actually just did two weeks ago, the week of Veterans Day, um, I hosted a conference for science teachers in the state of Virginia, and it it took a year to plan. So this oh, time wow. last year, I was planning it. I was coming up with the theme, um, the vision for it, and 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 going. And so it was nice to see after a year of planning and advocating for science education to see a conference come together that, that I planned. And of course there was a team. It was not just me. It was a great team, but I got to do that creative part, the vision, and really um, kind of drive, be the driving force behind this big event. And it went so well. So that was, it was fantastic.
0: That is really cool. So I'm, I'm guessing like, do you help, um, you know, talk about science standards Uh, that type of stuff? Or is it more of like, like you're advocating um, for science education?
1: Uh, Yes, to all of those things. So sometimes part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So part of it is talking about standards, uh, working with state organizations, working with um, different uh, organizations that support education, and then uh, more specifically science education. So part of it is that, is working with standards, working with supporting teachers and advocating for high-quality professional development. And then some of it is uh, preparing ex- uh, experiences for teachers to have so that they can, they can feel more confident with science content or uh, just become more up-to-date with science practices that that are available or resources that are available for them so it's a little bit of everything which makes it tough which makes it challenging but also makes it exciting and makes it worthwhile for not even myself like i'm a teacher too but knowing that it's supporting educators across my state and even anyone who travels to Virginia and wants to join the fun. um, It's it's a little bit of everything and a lot of amazing work. So
0: very cool. Well, thank you for that. Um, As someone that was a former um, fourth grade teacher and here in the state of Kentucky, sadly, and and, and I know it's it's sadly it's it's too similar like this. Um, Science is really only taught to a degree, to the level that it needs to be, um, in those assessed, um, grades. And so, yeah, like as a, as a former science teacher, um, thank you for doing that. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I actually on the podcast, um, interviewed Dr. Morgan Cable, who is a, um, works for the NASA's jet propulsion lab. She was episode like 30 let me see third oh episode 13 and she talked all about science and stem particularly with the girls um so i'm just i'm just giving you a heads up like if you need me to connect you with an actual nasa person like we can totally do that
1: wow that sounds great that sounds perfect
0: i'll do it i will do it she one of her big things actually is connecting with kids uh particularly uh girls and getting them interested in the sciences. So yeah, I will absolutely connect the two of you. Awesome. Very cool. And then, um, I have a question for you cause I, I want your take on this before we jump in. Um, so I guess I want your idea prior to your idea. Um, you know, as a leader, I'm in my forties now and I, and we are hiring teachers now that have, um, that spent their entire educational career under no child left behind. Um, and and you and I probably would agree that both social studies and science was very devalued during that time, just because of the, the, the assessment um, heaviness. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like I know as a teacher that taught during that time, kids were not exposed to the level of science background that they needed to. Are, are you seeing like teachers coming into the profession without a robust, um, you know, experience with the sciences.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm seeing that. And I, even my own in teacher preparation, I, my, my experience in learning how to teach science was super limited. And then my exposure to science content was limited to the general education classes that you had to take, right. You have to take this amount of science And then you get to choose which ones within that umbrella that you take. And so I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of lack of support for science and just having the experience ourselves as instructors, and then all of the, all the humans that have, have traverse the earth since the child left behind has come around, have have been disadvantaged in not having experiences with science. So I, I feel like it's both sides. It's not having the experience yourself and then not having the training as educators to this content in in the best way or or be given the support or time during the school day in order to teach those subjects to fidelity. So there's I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, I think it's it's a bigger puzzle. There's lots of little pieces that are missing, and and that makes the picture really hard to see when you're missing so many pieces. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. One of my soapboxes: uh, we have a, an entire generation of students now that um, I really. And I and I don't even know if it's just the students, but there's a reason that a lot of people don't believe in uh, climate change, and there's a lot of there's a reason why people are not civically engaged. Um, to me, it's because we have an entire generation where the social the social studies and science were was just devalued. Um, the perception, you know, if you're a child and and you're only taught science in one grade level, K through five, the perception is that it's not that important, you know, same thing with social studies. Um, so that's, that's one of my big things. I don't want to deviate from it, but, um, I was just curious as to what you're seeing, you know, down there in the trenches.
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm seeing the same thing.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let's dive into this thing called the big Ed idea podcast. um, I, I feel like I know you a little bit, but I want to get to know you better. So I have a couple segments that are going to help us uh, to just model that connections before content piece. Um, that that idea that, you know, all human beings are, are striving, yearning for connection and you got to connect first and then we can do the other content stuff later. Um, so I've got three words. That describe what life is like around the Scott House. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll them out and then I'm gonna explain them. My three words. Um, and, and technically I I gotta tell you, Becky, I cheated a little bit. They're more than three Uh-oh. words. Yeah, it's more like three phrases, but it's my podcast. I can do that. Um, so um, so okay, here are my three phrases: gobble gobble, physical, and last Thanksgiving question mark okay so gobble gobble obviously we are recording this um the like very Thanksgiving is coming up in like a couple days this episode will come out after Thanksgiving but the point is um I am super excited I love Thanksgiving any holiday that's like literally built around just eating and sleeping all day is good for me um I don't know how you feel about that.
1: I know. I, I lo- I'm with you. I'm, I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> you got your stretchy pants ready?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. She's good to go. My second word is physical. Um, so today I had my yearly physical. Um, the doctor said, yep, sadly, you still are 40 years old. I uh, was hoping that really I'd walk in and he'd be like, man, I don't know what happened, but miraculously, you're 25 again. So, yeah, I had my physical. Everything's good. So that's good. And then my last phrase is last Thanksgiving. And the reason I've got a question mark, um, my grandmother, who's my last surviving grandparent, has made the decision she's probably going to move herself into an assisted living um, place at the end of the year. And so, you know, our tradition of always having Thanksgiving at grandma's house might not you know, and, and as you get older, you probably can attest to this. The hardest part about getting older is not me getting older. It's the other people in my life um, that are getting older. So that's my three words. Um, Becky, what are yours?
1: Yeah. um, Great question. I have (laughs) surprising.
0: Okay. So I feel
1: like I daily uh, minute by minute, Am just being met with so many surprises, one being uh, yesterday, my son surprised me in telling me he has no pants for winter time. Like he was, he was cold here uh, right now. We have a little cold spell happening here yeah. in Virginia. He's walking around in shorts and he claims like he's fine. But he also let me know like, oh, I've outgrown all my pants. I'm like, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, Let's thanks. Go to this so, um, you know, just just lots of surprises happening at school, oh, my gosh, so many surprises this year, good, bad, and in between, you know, just surprises, and we just have to have to meet them you gotta and roll, with just, them. roll with them roll that's exactly right, so surprising is one of my words. um, challenging is another one. I feel like with all of these surprises um there's there's been a lot of challenges that have popped up too that have have been challenging everything that I thought I knew about education I feel like this uh first quarter of school has felt like two years already I, like yeah, I, I feel yeah look at the calendar I'm like how has it only been I one feel quarter the same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprising and challenging so I and and also I just feel there have been like I said at these surprises that are popping up at school are challenging everything i thought i knew about education everything i thought i knew how to do (laughs) everything i thought i knew how to do well it's just challenging all of those things and um that's exhausting which is not my third word but um, (laughs) just just lots of challenges and you know family challenges too my son grew out of all of his pants but he also doesn't like trying on pants so go to the store pants and exactly knowing what size he is. And he's refusing to try them on. It's challenging (laughs) to get through that experience with him. So, you know, surprising and challenging, but, uh, my third word is exciting because so many things that are happening right now, right? Thanksgiving's about to happen. I host at my house, which I love doing. I love having people over It's exciting for me, but also starting in January, I am beginning a PhD program. And so that
0: That is is exciting,
1: challenging, but exciting. Yeah. So I, I'm scared out of my mind, but I know it's, I know it's time for this to happen for me. And so I'm super excited to start my first two classes, January 17th.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, I cannot wait. So, okay. So when you do, when you, when you pass your, um, don't you defend, isn't that a defense? Isn't that what that's called? Okay. So when you successfully defend your dissertation, I'm going to have Dr. Becky Snickser back on the big ed idea because I want to hear what your um, dissertation paper, all of that stuff was all about.
1: Yeah, Because I'm a nerd like that. Yeah, yeah, me
0: too. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we're here talking about education on a Tuesday night. Um, okay, okay. So my second segment that I love to do is just, I, Becky, I've got two questions I'm going to ask. Um, nothing yeah. to do about education, just to to get a little bit deeper about who this Becky lady is. And so um, with, I guess, going with a Thanksgiving theme, my question for you is, life is busy. But my, I'm curious, what are you thankful for right now, this minute?
1: In this minute, I am thankful for experiences that I've had. I feel like everything that drives who I am, who's helped me become this person that I am right now and who I'm evolving into as I keep continue to grow, has, has been the result of all the experiences that I've had, whether they are traveling to do field science, whether it is playing soccer, whether it's on being on this podcast or starting a PhD program, uh, being a mom, being a wife, being both of those at the same time, (laughs) being an educator, all of these experiences, being outside. I love being outside, any chance I can get. But all of these experiences coming together, I was thinking about this earlier today. So it's funny that you asked this question. I, I'm just grateful and I'm thankful for the experiences that I've had and the experiences that I'm going to have moving forward that continuously just allow me to learn about myself and they allow me to as a human being better understand the world around me and the community that I'm a part of.
0: So, okay, because I'm a nerd, much of what you say always brings me back to, uh, just some underlying thought. Um, so you talk about all these experiences being so beneficial. I just finished a book and I don't know why I can't think of the name of it, but the author was effectively saying, um, cause we know the research shows that reading comprehension literally doesn't have anything to do with whether or not, you know, the word it's whether you have experiences with the words. Um, and you know, my, I want to get your take on this, like, <sighs> Our kids are so lucky, your kids, my kids, because we have experiences, like I'm a big experienced person, but so many of our kids, especially our our lower income um, students don't have those experiences. And so I I, I just, I'm curious, what is your take on that?
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And I'm actually nearly finished with a book called Science in the City, and there's a whole section of the book that's about vocabulary and oh, comprehension sweet. specific to science and and it's it's addressing uh it's called science in the city so it's talking about urban areas and more specifically lower income communities yes absolutely about, uh your experience with words matters for you not only to use them but really to I mean to use them you have to know them or understand them you have to comprehend that's exactly them. Right. You have to have experience with them. And so it, there was a fascinating uh, study that they were talking about in teaching science, in Particular, it's about science, but teaching science through uh, friendly, what they called friendly language or common language to the community that you're in. And then inserting specific mechanical science vocabulary in order for you, for your learners to understand it. So if they use common language first and then they're like, oh, well you just describe and so you insert that word and then they start to use it but you you introduce it first with common language that's what they have the experience with right so uh it's fascinating again that you brought that up because I'm re I'm literally reading about that now and I've I've always held that opinion as well comes to comprehension of words and then you see it come to light when you work with different communities so if you've if you've taught in the same community all the time you might not, see you don't have that comparison and that con- contrasting experience yeah. i'm on my
0: fourth community so i get it
1: <laughs> yeah so the experience is is what it's all about and in fact that's part of the idea spoiler alert i'm going to be talking about you and i are going to be discussing okay. but that word experience comes up a lot for a reason for lots of reasons but you you do have to experience something in order to articulate it or in order to understand and, and cohesively use certain vocabulary words. so if you don't have experiences then of course, Language is going to be quite different. Your ability to connect to content is going to be very, very different. Your ability to interact with uh, different skills or pick up different skills is going to be different if you are only ever seeing them in a classroom. And then even you go home and you don't use those skills in a practical way. Who cares, right? It happens for 30 minutes during my math lesson at school. I don't need to survive home. I don't really need to (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah bring back the field trip please yeah. so okay <laughs> so my second question for you miss becky um i know you're a traveler so first one where have you not gone that you'd really like to go
1: this is one of my favorite questions in the whole world and my answer is always the same antarctica I want to go to Antarctica for a hundred reasons, but two big ones. I've never been there, and I it'll it'd be a fascinating contrast to my experience in in tropical jungle and rainforests because that's where I generally do my field work in the Amazon rainforest. And so, going to Antarctica completely different. However, Antarctica, many people don't know has a thermal river system. So hot water, it's got thermal energy underneath this tundra, these ice sheets. And I wanna wanna go to Antarctica to study that because that thermal energy study in the Amazon rainforest. And so that's really, that's a whole lot of information, but Antarctica, because that's where I wanna go.
0: (laughs) I gotta tell you, Becky, you are one cool lady.
1: Thanks. thank you yeah
0: I love man that's awesome um so much yeah so much that I can relate to and that's in that 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 little conversation but okay what two questions do you have for me
1: uh great question I have, my first question is if you and I had a whole day together what would you want to do
0: okay hey, are you visiting me are we um anywhere?
1: It could be anything, anything. We have a whole, okay. whole day.
0: A whole day. Okay. Okay. So I, I know that we have shared interests. So I'll be honest. Like I would want to meet you on the trail um, okay. and just go for a hike through the woods because I love it. So number one, I love hiking by myself because I can talk to myself and it doesn't look weird. Um, but the second reason um, that I love to hike. I love to hike with like my friends because it's literally like six hours, no interruptions. Um, you don't really have much to think about other than lift your foot up. Don't step here, step here. Um, get a drink of water. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I would. So right now I am section hiking the river to river trail, uh, which runs from the Ohio river to the Mississippi through the Southern Illinois re, um, garden of the gods area. So lots of exposed um, sandstone. Uh, lots of old native American sites and, and that type of stuff. So we would set off where I ended last weekend. So we would start at Fern cliff state park and then hopefully, you know, one day, you know, surely we could get 16, 17 miles done in a day and just have somebody pick us up. And then then we would um, sit at an awesome bar and have some beers and okay. reflect. Um, one of my favorite, my favorite thing when I'm done hiking is we've got a local Uh, pizza place here that have the best strombolis. So like the last day and a half of my hike, I'm always like craving a stromboli. So we would end our day with strombolis. How's that?
1: This sounds fantastic. When are we going?
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Like Virginia is, I have no idea, but I'm guessing it's probably eight or nine hours from me I would think. So yeah, just, uh, you know, you and your hubby hop in the the van. I would imagine you have a van, um, put the sun in it, drive West. You've got a place to stay.
1: Perfect. All right. right. We're going to make it work.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm, you know, I'm totally down with it. Um, okay. So now that, uh, Becky, I know you a little bit more and you know, me a little bit more, I'm ready to dive even more into this education space. Um, But before I always do that, I just always, I gotta know, how did education find Miss Becky?
1: Oh man, how much time do you have?
0: Um, (laughs) Well, this is a 45 minute show.
1: I know, we gotta get the Cliff Notes version. So I, I always was drawn to young people. And so working with them, whether it's coaching a sport, whether it's uh, singing in choir, conducting a choir, or just, just working with young people has always been of interest to me. So I knew in high school that I was pretty sure I'd be a teacher. I did not know science was going to be my thing because when I was in elementary school, I was actually third grade was a pivotal moment for me. There was, there was one day, eight-year-old Becky was uh taking multiplication timed multiplication to get them on the first try or else and um i did not i i was an or else for my sixes my eight multiplication facts even to this day if you like quickly you're like right six times eight i'm like i don't know stop pressuring me um this is me forever since i was eight and um I was told when I didn't pass those the first time or the second time, because I still it took me a while to learn my multiplication facts. And that's a whole nother thing. I was told by my third grade teacher that uh, since you can't do this, you are not good at math. And since you're not good at math, you're never going to be good at science. And that devastated me for a long time. I don't like Uh, this lady. I mean either. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> so uh for for a really long time I, I ran away from science. I knew I liked it and I thought it was cool, but I those words just always rang in my head. You're not good at it. So I was like, okay, cool. I think it's cool. I'm not good at it. But spoiler alert, I was so good at it, like so good at it to the point that my high school teachers, my college professors were like, Why aren't you majoring in science? And I was like, I'm not good at it's cool. I'm not good at it. And they were like, Becky, are no, really, you kidding you are. Right and I, but still, even then in my twenties, I was like, yeah, um, science is cool, but I'm not, I'm not good at it. And so that, that one day in third grade really haunted me for at least 25 years of my life, ran away from science, which is clearly something that I not been afraid of. And I should have been running away from but that that's the power of of science or the power of education and yeah. educators we have the power to build people we have the ba- the power to break them down and we have to choose which one we're going to be every moment of every day which is challenging
0: yeah. and
1: it's exhausting but it's we need to do that so um it wasn't until I got my first teaching job and I was in a, I was in my interview and they're asking me questions and it gets to the point in the interview where they're nodding and they're saying you like science, right? And I, I swallowed my pride for a second. And I was like,
0: uh, yeah,
1: it's pretty cool. <laughs> and you know, like I'm no dummy. That's what they want to hire me for. I'm right. not going to say no, but right. I also didn't want to so it was just and and I still I still thought it was cool I didn't think I was good at it I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as a teacher but uh, so I got that job and I started teaching science and I taught all subjects but they really wanted me to take science and run with it and I found out very quickly that in elementary school either you're not teaching science because it's not deemed important by standardized testing uh, or you're teaching it and it's just here's page one uh, let's read it And let's go to page two and let's go to page three. If we have time, maybe we'll go to page four in a couple of days from now. And so I when I realized that I thought to myself, I I have to change. I have to disrupt the system and I'm going to bring science. I'm going to elevate it to where it's supposed to be. And in doing that as a teacher, I realized, oh, my gosh, I love science. It's not just cool. And oh, my gosh, I'm good at it. And so then I started pursuing it as not just a teacher, but also as a, scientist. and I eventually became the field scientist today and, and the teacher that I am today wrote a book. There's, there's lots of things that, that happened. And so that's kind of my journey into, into the world of education. Love and it. Really science. Yeah. And there's, there's more detail about all of that in my book, if you want to know, like not the uh the Cliff Notes version, but the unabridged version is is in my book. But that's um that's been my journey and I I love
0: that. I I, I love that. <laughs> um so initially I was a wildlife biology major. Um I actually initially wanted to do marine biology and um then you know, you're 19, 18 and you're in love and you're going to marry this kid. So you don't go to this college that you were going to go to, to study something. So you stay home. And then two months later you break up and now you're stuck with the college close to home. Anyway, I went to Murray state and, and studied aquatic biology. Um, that's the, my life went on major detour. I didn't end up graduating until I was 27, but the point is I started with wildlife biology one summer. I was a naturalist seasonal naturalist at a local state park where I got to take kids around, um, pick up live snakes, um, teach kids all about animals and bees and all of this stuff. And that I really think that job led me to think about education as a career choice. So I love that, that about you and that we have that in common. Um, Okay. So that is your origin story. You have oh. been in Ed for what, like five years?
1: 17 years and <laughs> counting. 17 years. Okay.
0: I'm right that there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So you've seen some things come, you've seen some things go. Um, you know, I already really like you because you've, you've already used the word disrupt. So I know you are, you know, all about disrupting the system. So Obviously, you've seen a problem with education, um, and your idea probably hopes to um, attack that problem. So what is the problem in, of, of education that your big idea hopes to alleviate?
1: Yeah, so one, for me, a big problem with education is that it, it lacks relevance and engagement yeah. with your community. And yes. that is going to look and feel different in different places. But that's for me it's so many times I was I was taught in this way and I was taught to teach this way in college but here's the content you just need to know it and we just need to move on or here's the skill you just need to learn it this way and we just need to move on so we can go to the next thing. And I, that's that's a problem because that's problem. if you think about Right? If you think about the way that we all learned how to walk and the way that we learned how to talk, we experienced that. We, we tried, we failed a whole lot, but in the end, we still know how to walk right now. We still know how to talk right now. We didn't watch a video, take notes. We didn't take a multiple choice test. I didn't have an essay test. I didn't have a foldable that taught me how to walk. I had people around me cheering me on, even when I fell on my face right. or you know, I stumbled. It, and I feel like that that experience is how we learn things that are important. That's how we connect to content. And in, unless it's important to me, I don't want to learn it. I, and as an adult, I don't have- And I capacity. won't learn it. Right, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I don't have the time for it. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't affect my life in a positive way. I don't have time for it. And if that's the way I think right now, why am I teaching little humans, young humans in this way? Or if we know that for hundreds of years, the educational system that we've been using hasn't been working and the pandemic shed such a light on that, but we're still post, or we're not completely out of the pandemic, but we're in all sense of the word we're post pandemic, but we're still doing in these that things gray
0: area. Yeah.
1: Worked, right. So we, there's no reason for that. And, and so I my big idea is to teach through experiences. It's not a lesson plan. It's not an activity. It's not a lab. It's an experience. Why does what I need to teach matter to my learners? And how can I make them experience that content rather than just hear it, rather than just receive it? If I'm involved in it, and if it makes sense to my life as a seven-year-old, or if you're teaching teenagers, or if you're teaching adults, why does it matter? And we need to tackle things in that way. If it makes sense to learn about that skill outside, well, by all day, take people outside. If it makes sense to learn about this in the hallway, take people in the hallway. If it makes sense to sit in a chair in a classroom, then sit in a chair in a classroom, but create an experience for your learners to really attack into. Make a connection to the content because you aren't going there if it doesn't matter to you. And I think a lot of, especially with the pandemic, the different teaching that occurred during the pandemic when we were shut down and while some were in hybrid and some were in in in-person and hybrid at the same time and all these different models, we've seen a lot of different things. We have, we should have learned a lot about how different people learn and we should be using that to inform our practices and the more we can experience something the more we are going to want to learn it and we're going to be excited to learn about it. like you know heaven forbid I be excited about what I'm about to learn or uh want to learn that or learn something that matters to my life and I can take home and use there as well so that's, that's my big idea. I'm always searching ways to make experiences for my learner and for myself to become a better educator. That's what brought me to the field in order to teach science. I need to experience it. So I go out into the field and I'm doing research. I'm collecting data. I'm seeing what science looks like in the real world. So I can bring that back and create that experience. For my own learners.
0: Man, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day. Like, um, it's 2022, almost 2023. Um, we have so much cognitive science out there that, and so much research out there to, to tell us that, like, literally, your brain is only going to remember that which is important to it. And so, if you are not um, using those same types of, of strategies, like you're saying, um, if you know, if I'm teaching kids. Um, let's just say, okay, I'm gonna bring up the water cycle. Okay. In, in fourth grade, I remember teaching the water cycle. Um, my kids do not give a rip about the water cycle unless I can directly relate it to something that is important to them. And correct me if I'm wrong, Becky, um, relevance is part of it. But like you're saying, we also have to be able to let them experience the water cycle. Yeah. Is that right?
1: yes that's absolutely. Exactly right absolutely
0: yeah. okay yeah and and i love kind of what we started to allude to um one of my big passion areas is low income students um particularly um just the different lived experiences um of of our low income kids and i love what you said early on that you know, cause I teach in a very urban setting and to ask my middle schoolers to sit down and, you know, when they're learning, you know, the other day I walked in in science and I think they're talking about neutrons, protons, electrons, something like that. It's probably, you know, not super relevant to them. Um, but like you're saying, if we can make it relevant and then they can experience something that has to do with that standard, um, that's got to be better than just reading about it in a dang textbook.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's how I was at science growing up. I, I think I had hands-on experience maybe once in fourth grade sure, and uh, not until high school labs and then really not until college. And um, we, you just, you, you have to interact with those, us living right now is science, right? Me yeah. leaning back in my chair, which my students do all the time, is science that's physics right when they fall out of the chair that's also physics we can talk about that right first check to make sure they're okay then second maybe share a laugh and then third what just happened you know like oh you know and you can talk about that or you can talk about structural integrity that's architecture that's engineering right there that chair why does the chair stay up the way it does why does it need four four legs why does it need you know why do certain stools have two why do something not have anything at all. And they're kind of on on a rotational little cylinder. And they why does that work? And sometimes why does that not work? Right. That's science. Or I could open up a book and we could talk about Newton's first law of motion and all of these things. Or I've got Hot Wheels and a lot of my students have Hot Wheels at home. Could we make racetrack? Could we talk about laws of motion? Could we talk about speed and velocity? Could we talk about all of these things? Potential kinetic energy, right? Those are that's exciting. And when I see a Hot Wheel car come out in class, I now want to pay attention because that's absolutely
0: cool.
1: so you you kind of sneak that in there. There there are these examples all over the place. Even even things like protons and neutrons and electrons, it sounds like, ugh, I how when why does this matter? Well, it does matter. So let's talk about what we could connect it to, right? If maybe if it's winter time, we're accidentally shocking each other. Let's talk about that right. or That's lightning. True. It wasn't like a good storm, right? Or okay. I'm scared of storms. But now you got attention because now you're talking about lightning, you know? Or get the balloon, you know? All of these, all of these different things. Um, Some of them are, are more complicated to to do, but some of them are really, really easy, and they get their attention. So that. That's an experience, for right? Electric shock, <laughs> not putting my hands in the socket, although that is electric shock as well. Definitely but, show them. Yes, shocking each other or just doing, I mean, I'm not telling my students to shock each other, but you know, it naturally happens when you're in school in the winter time. We've got these, we've got static electricity. Those things happen and you're not gonna forget when your teacher had their hair up like this or you had your hair up like this or oh my gosh, that hurt a lot. I, now I know the science behind why that hurt. Oh, and then we could talk about anatomy and skin and, and, uh, you know, nervous system, all of these things can come together. And then it's exciting because your nervous system is part of the reason you're alive. Right. So that's kind of important. <laughs> Being alive is important to everyone. So you just have to find those little entrance, entrance ways or opportunities. I always talk about, it's not about what I can't do. It's about what I can so I have to find the opportunity. You're teaching about insects and arachnids, and there's a spider on the wall that everybody's either screaming about or they're excited they want to catch it. Teaching opportunity. Why is this not an insect? Oh, look at all those legs. Oh, yeah. two body parts. Oh, you know, just all these things. They're opportunities. Or um, I love in the winter time when it starts to snow outside. And a lot of teachers, what's our first reaction? Cold wine, don't look at the snow. And I'm like, no, look at the snow. Let's go out. Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it windy? Is it cloudy? Is it what is it that's creating the snow? What are all those observations that experience with snow? Because then you can use that to your advantage. And then you can even, we can write about it. Now we want to read about it. Oh my gosh, did you know all snowflakes are hexagons? Oh my gosh, there's your math, right? So there's all of these things that you can, You can tag into, and if that type of thinking isn't natural for you, you just have to practice. You just have to try, or you have to talk to someone who's crazy like me, and you can give me, here's my hair tie. Let me teach you how we can use that to teach all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like, absolutely. But sometimes it does take some exercise, brain exercise to make those connections and see the opportunities rather than um, roadblocks.
0: Absolutely. So uh, something I love uh, that you that you've got me thinking about when um, to kind of connect to what you're saying. When I was a fourth grade teacher, I had uh, Monty Python, who was my ball python um, in my classroom, and um, I would use him all the time to teach. Just he would be wrapped around my arm and I'd be teaching. I'd lay him on the kid's desk. Um, We'd talk about, you know, just random whatever we were talking about we could we could somehow bring it back to Monty um I also had like a 50 gallon aquarium with poison arrow frogs, snails, fish uh, it was a big big biome biosphere whatever you call that thing I can't remember right now um but yeah, I loved being able to do that I was. Um, the crazy teacher, I remember one of the lessons on light and refraction, reflection, refraction and absorption. Um, I stood up on a on a table. Um, I had the kids get me the football, a soccer ball because I was a soccer coach. And so I had all kinds of soccer stuff. Um, and then I asked them to give them give me my bottle of water. And so from the top of the desk, I threw the football to demonstrate refraction. Then I threw the soccer ball to demonstrate reflection. And then I poured the whole bottle of water on the carpet in my classroom to demonstrate absorption. And my kids were all like, oh! but you know what? They never freaking forgot what reflection, refraction and absorption was because I think what you're saying, I provided an experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. And for, I mean, if you think about Education aside, any your your most memorable moments in life, you remember what you felt like.
0: Oftentimes oh, you remember sure. where,
1: who was around, what did it smell like? How did you feel? Was it cold? Was it hot? Were you sweaty? Were right. you freezing and you need get a coat? You remember all of those details about that experience. So if we can capture that in education, like how powerful is that? You're gonna remember these things for forever because it's an experience it's not just that lesson plan that someone taught you one day that you will not remember 5 years down the road
0: so so here's what i need uh to my listeners i need you to listen up if any of you have connections with the um department of education specifically dr uh, miguel cordoba i need you to ask him to please uh like quadruple the amount of money that schools have to take students on field trips. Um, Please, please, please. Um, I'll tell you what, Becky, one of my big like pie in the sky ideas is a school where K through five, everything is taught through science and social studies, the math, the the English, every single standard is somehow taught through a science or social studies. And I, I really think, I, I think you'll agree with me, but I think you could do that easily.
1: Yeah, that's um, I've been toying around with writing, writing a book, literally that teaching through science and social studies rather than the other way around, yeah. because I feel like that, that again, there's no connection there. I'm going to just learn isolated skills, reading, writing, math, but more powerful when you see you have to read, write and use your math skill in order to do this science thing or in order to learn about this the social studies, um, standard like that, that's your hook, right? Your science and your social studies is those other skills come in in order for you to think and learn on a, in a deeper way. So I, yes, I 100% agree with you. And that's, I need to start blogging about that (laughs) and maybe form a book based around that, but yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So also uh, any, any of the executives from McGraw Hill uh, or Pearson, if you're listening, because uh, I'm sure you probably are listening to my podcast, but if any of you want to throw, you know, some money at Becky uh, to let her develop, um, you know, a, a, a basal series built all around social studies and science, she's gladly, she will gladly do it for you. Yeah, Won't you Becky?
1: Yes. she said yes
0: so okay we're gonna do that um so miss becky i'm gonna tell you we could go on and on and on and on talk talking about science um and the relevance um you know one thing before we start to digress and and move away from from this big ed idea um what i you know as you're saying this though we are using the lens of science i really feel like your idea of teaching through experiences you really could teach any subject through experiences. It's not just science. Would yeah, you agree I, with that? I,
1: I com- yes, I completely agree.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. So, um, Miss Becky, we've talked tonight uh, quite a bit. We've talked at length about your idea of teaching Um, Through experiences now, particularly science, but we also said, you know, you could do that through other subject areas. Um, We've talked about several of book ideas that you have coming up or you have out. Um, I didn't know that you're a researcher. So before we end the show, you've got to tell me what are you researching when you go down in the tropics?
1: Oh, gosh. A lot of different things. The The main project. So generally when I go, I am going with a team and I'm not the lead scientist, but I work okay. for them and I, I collect data. I learn about their protocols and about their contents so that I can okay. understand them better. But, um, the main project is a thermal river system in the middle of the Amazon that breaks all of what we thought we knew was necessary for thermal river systems in the world. And so looking a lot about at thermal systems and just what what uh, geothermal energy takes uh, around the world, but really what is driving this in the Amazon. And then of course, there's so there's a river that boils, it's a thermal river system. And so we study that water quality the um what lives in the water, what lives around the water. We do entomology, so insects around the water. We've do looked at the thermal tolerance of the plants in this particular part of the Amazon because they're the same plants you find elsewhere, but they're next to a boiling river. And so their thermal tolerance. Right. Yes. Yes. And soil composition. So it's really studying everything. It just depends on what team I am working with at a specific time, but it all revolves around this one river that boils. So geothermal energy. Oh
0: man. So, so yeah.
1: that's awesome. <laughs>
0: um, one thing I didn't mention when I was in college, I worked for a research station on Kentucky Lake um, here in Kentucky. And on Saturdays we would Go out in the lake and get water samples, and my job was to identify the phytoplankton and zooplankton. Um, so yeah, I'm totally that geeking out, totally geeking out on that. Miss um, Becky, uh, we could talk for hours, but I, I imagine there are some folks out here listening that would also like to connect with you. Um, you know, maybe somebody out there, you know, wants to hire you to to, to write a new book. Um, maybe somebody wants to hire you to come talk. Um, you know, I would love for you to talk to some of my science teachers cause I love your energy, but how can people get a hold of Miss Becky to talk about whatever?
1: Yeah. So I, on social media, my handle is just my last name Schnexer. So it's S C H N E K. S E R. So I generally go by my last name everywhere. So if you, if you search on any social media, Schnexer, you probably see me pop up. Um, I, my website is expedition So you can, you can connect with me there. Uh, I wrote a book called expedition science, empowering learners through exploration. So um, that's on Amazon Barnes and Noble. You can find it at your local bookstore as well. But those are the main ways to find me are just on social media. My last name Schnexer or just hop on my website, Expedition Schnexer and I am there.
0: Awesome. And she is an open book and she's going to, um, you know, I can tell just from her energy and who I can tell who Becky is. I'm normally a pretty good judge of character. I would imagine that if you would message Becky, you know, she would definitely message you back and would love to talk about anything education
1: yes and please do i love okay. i love it
0: yeah yeah amen i do too um you know obviously we love to talk about education we're on an education podcast so um <laughs> miss becky is there any parting words that you want to leave the big ed idea podcast listeners with tonight
1: yeah of course so in any realm of education that you might be in my challenge for you, my inspiration for you is to seek opportunities. And so again, it's about what you can't do. It's about what you can. So you might not be able to do a lot of things, but to contradict that, there's so many other things that you can do. So I challenge you to seek opportunities and and think through the lens of possibility. What can I do? It's not about what I can't do.
0: Make an amazing new tattoo. Seek opportunities. Yeah. Okay. Christmas is coming up. I'm gonna have to put that on my list. Um, yeah. Miss Becky, I really appreciate. It. I want to just tell you, um, me to you, I appreciate you uh for what you're doing for our students and trying to bring um, let's just say trying to make science a little more badass um, in the classroom. I love your ideas, um, about experiences. Um, like I said, you know, I'm a big, big student of poverty and how it affects our kids. And, um, you know, experiences to me is, is one of the major things that keeps the, uh, gap open between our high income and our low income kids. And so, um, in an ideal world, I would love to see, you know, all of our kids getting the experiences for science, social studies, math, all that stuff. So I love what you're saying. Uh, thank you for advocating. Um, thank you for exploring. Thank you for authoring. Um, I just appreciate you and I just want to tell you um, it's been a uh, it's been a lot of fun tonight.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I had a ton of fun as well and I'm I'm thankful that we had this opportunity to experience this together.
0: That's right. Right. And I'll tell you this once a Big Ed Idea podcast uh, friend, always a Big Ed Idea podcast friend. So, you know, do not be a stranger. Uh, hit me up anytime. Um, like I said, you you've got an open. I've got five acres here, so we we could set up some tents and we could have a, a nice bonfire uh, if you bring the family.
1: Perfect. That'd be awesome.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So to my Big Ed Idea listeners, once again, thank you for spending your time with me and Becky this evening or or this morning or whenever. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate your time. You mean a lot to me, even if I've never met you. Um, I'm going to end us with the words of Mr. John Janosky, who would always um, tell me when I would leave his house, he'd say, Ryan, until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation. A meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So, let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion. And together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.